You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. back to VHS Gems. This is Jessica. I am joined with John. Hello. And this is the podcast in which we open up the VHS Gems treasure box and pick out a gemstone of a movie to watch from the time of VHS and Blockbuster and all that fun 80s and 90s. I feel like this was also a little peek into my twisted psyche. Only this was this was an interesting one because <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I hated it. Like there were definitely elements I liked. Um, yes, the the gem we are talking about today is Return to Oz. This is from 1985, I think. I'm sure that's why I wrote. And it's a not sequel sequel to the wizard of Oz. <laughs> right. yeah it's got a weird convoluted history behind it um yeah and that's why it's kind of hard to pinpoint it was it a remake was it a reboot was it a sequel is it a direct sequel the answer is yes and no yes and no so it should be noted that the wizard of Oz wasn't just a movie it was actually a book series before it became a movie and that movie greatly did not follow the book from what i was understanding i have not read these books um yeah and this one this movie which was made a significant amount of years later um is based off of two of the books in the series the second one and the third one which I can't yes i believe they were titled return to oz and then um ozma of oz Cosmo Boss. Yes, that, that makes sense. Um, I will note, I do know a little bit about Oz lore, I guess, if you call it lore, because I read a young adult series called Dorothy Must Die, in which it's about another girl from Kansas that gets stuck in her tornado up to Oz, and Dorothy has taken over as like an evil dictator. Wow. And yeah, so I actually knew like about Ozma and Mumby. And a few other things. I kind of, like, binge read them, so it's really vague in the details. <laughs> so, but, like, that's where I learned that, oh, there, this, it's a lot more than just Wizard of Oz. And I do kind of recommend that series. It's definitely a twisted tale. Kind of thing. Not like my yeah. Book, but it was, it was fun. You know, I've always wanted to jump into Wicked, but I just don't know if I can commit to it. I tried to jump into Wicked. I think I read it too early in my life, you know, because it is not like the musical. 
it is significantly darker than I was ready for it to be. I feel like now I probably would love the crap out of it, but at the time hmm. I was like, I don't want to read anything dark. <laughs> That's what I picked up and I went, you know what? I don't need to know about the Wicked Witch's sex life. yes i i feel like i do now (laughs) (laughs) well you should give it a try i got halfway through the first book i think and i got really bored and just like i don't care that she's bringing that she can't get in other things i can't remember exactly what turned out something did and i'm never gonna finish this I should try again. The writing was really good. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. We are talking about (laughs) Return to Oz, the 1985 Disney movie, which I only knew was Disney because I found it on Disney Plus back when I first got Disney Plus and I was like, what's this? And you apparently forgot that it was Disney. I had no idea that it was Disney. I haven't seen this movie in so long that, yeah, when the Disney logo came up at the beginning, I was like, wait, what? And I was like, that, that, this was Disney? Really? And, like, nothing about it screams Disney to me. It's really odd. Disney did a lot of weird stuff in the 80s. A lot I guess. of weird stuff. Yeah. yeah, when they were the- trying to find themselves. <laughs> yeah, which... The one thing I found interesting in the trivia about this movie is that the the ruby slippers do appear in this movie, which that was not from the books that was actually made for the Wizard of Oz movie. And so Disney had to pay MGM rights in order to use the ruby slippers. Um, But what I found interesting about that was like in the 80s, that was at the time when Disney was trying to strike deals with MGM in order to do MGM Studios. And they basically just took the title MGM Studios and gave none of it to MGM. Because basically MGM didn't read the contract very well. Until later so, they were like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> and I just yeah, thought it was you, funny. <laughs> you can't trust Disney. Disney is a cutthroat company. Oh, yeah. Well, I can't remember the guy at the time that was the CEO of Disney, but he was very much a businessman. And it's probably Eisner. I think so. I think it's Eisner. I don't know. I'm really, really, really bad with names, even though I've watched 5 million Disney about that time but yeah it was definitely the same guy that was like I want to buy the rights to aliens so that I can put a crazy scary alien ride in the middle of Tomorrowland it was that guy <laughs> <laughs> awesome ride I think I've mentioned that before. At, at least <laughs> once or twice yeah it sounds familiar <laughs> it's, it's bitter I'm really sad they actually don't have that ride it made zero sense but I am really sad that that ride is no longer alive Maybe with the expansion that was just announced this week. Maybe we'll get it again. Anyways, back to Return to Us. This stars a young Dorothy, which is significantly younger than the Dorothy in Wizard of Oz, which is probably the first thing I noticed. was like, why is she like 10? She was like 16 in the first movie. Which is very, oh, it's based off the book. And that was played by, I don't know her name, I'm sure you hopefully know her name, but she is somebody that I recognized in other roles when she was an adult. Yeah, so that's, she's played by Firuza Balk. Okay. And 
She is most famous for being the head witch in The Craft. Yes. I actually recognized her, though, from... The Waterboy? <laughs> no, not Waterboy. Oh, no, I forgot <laughs> she was in that. American Extreme X. And oh, yeah, that's right. Almost Famous, which Almost Famous is one of my favorite like, yes. movies about music that's not a musical. Like, so, basically... Not- yeah, the movies where she's, like, a background character. <laughs> yeah, basically. But she has, like, that... I don't know. And I think I have watched... I've like, watched her lead in But, like... She just has one of those faces that you recognize. Like, even when she was a kid, I recognized her face. I was like, oh, her face looks so familiar. And she just has a very prolific style yeah. to her. And- and she's been working pretty nonstop. Like she's got all kinds of credits um, in her IMDb page. Um, she was even in the Justice League TV show as Penny D, which I'm not sure who that character is. Doesn't sound familiar. Just done video game work. Um, you know, like w- like voiceover stuff. Um, Doc Island of Doctor Moreau. Oh, interesting. So she apparently they did a like a sequel to The Craft, and she reprises her role. That's 20, cool. 25 odd years later. <laughs> ah. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I mean, it was uh, in the time of VHS. That would definitely fit right in there. <laughs> we do need to do some horror stuff, so we all add it. But Absolutely. Um... Ooh, there should be like a whole theme of witches because Teen Witch also needs to be in there. Okay. Alrighty then. Teen Witch. I think I need to watch that one. <laughs> um, I think there was the lady who played Mombi was also in Willow. That what would make sense. I can't remember her name. Something like that name. Jean, that was Jean Marsh. Yeah, which we had somebody from Flash Gordon last week was also in, right? I believe so. And as a matter of fact, somebody from Flash Gordon is in this one also. What? You'll never guess who. Um, the one of the Wheelers. Nope. Darn. Uh, Tin Man, Tick Toy, Tick Tock. Yes. No, not not Tick Tock. Although TikTok, oh. one of the performers, I don't know if it was a puppeteer or the voice, but one of the persons that was in charge of bringing TikTok to life also did uh, Admiral Ekbar in Return of the Jedi. Oh, yes, that would be the puppeteer. I did see that one, which apparently the puppeteer is also a gymnast, because I remember reading somewhere that he walked in the TikTok thing on his hands with I've seen bent for the arms. I've, and not, I've not. seen that. Yeah. So in um, back in the day um, when this movie first came out and I was a wee lad of about five years old, um, I would watch Nickelodeon a lot because they had kids programming and cartoons. And they would sometimes have like these little specials where they would talk about like current movies. I remember they did one on Little Shop of Horrors, which came out also like around that time. And they did one entire episode. I forget what it was called, but it was like a kid's new show. And they talked about Return to Oz. 
and they showed you a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. And they asked like the audience, they're like, hey, how do you think they made TikTok come to life? And they showed like the scenes in the movies where he's walking and stuff. And like, you might be thinking it's a puppet, right? And I was like, yeah, that's probably a puppet. Because um, you look at how the legs are spaced apart and you look at how it's moving and you're like, nah, this thing's being controlled like with strings or sticks or something, you know? And then they, they show you like behind the scenes footage and the thing came apart in the middle. So TikTok is basically shaped like a big, like kind of like a, I don't know, like a boiler or something, like some kind of a... Yeah, it's like you reminded me of an old boiler, a big round Yeah, body. or like a like a furnace of some kind, like a stovetop thing. So yeah, that thing opened in the middle and the performer would actually be bent over and he would actually be basically walking up uh, backwards. So like his ass was pointed towards like the front where the face is of TikTok. And he had yeah. a little monitor that he could see to, to, to like look out where he was going. And he would walk like hunched over bent over almost completely in half with his arms and legs to control the legs of the the TikTok character. And I was like, how does anybody do that for like more than a minute without just cramping over? Apparently he was a gymnast. But man, like if you get a chance to just watch like a quick behind the scenes video of how this person did it, like holy shit, that's dedication to your craft. Yeah, I guess. I wonder how much um, probably scale because you know he yeah. doesn't have any FaceTime on screen. Uh, but to answer the previous uh, little trivia of who, uh, who from Flash Gordon was also in this movie, that was Deep Roy. Oh, Deep Roy was, and you'll never guess where he was in the movie because you never see him either, at least not directly. Oh, um, close. He was the Tin Man. Oh, the Tin Man. That you saw for, like, five seconds. Yeah, and he was probably, like, inside, like, the chest piece of it, controlling it from the inside. Because, I mean, that's also, like, very much a puppet-looking thing. But, yeah, like, apparently he was inside moving, like, the arms or something. Oh, yeah. Um, so before we get into the plot, I would like to say one of my favorite things that I researched. Because I actually did research just a little bit this time. Um, the director was Walter Murch. Um, he's more known for sound, I noticed. In fact, he did the sound of Apocalypse Now, which is probably, like, one of the best sound movies ever. Like, I remember after I watched it the first time, hearing the helicopter in the beginning, it's just beautiful sound cinematography. And also, it's, like, just one of those movies that you learn about in film studies for being good for its sound. Apocalypse Now, great movie. But um, this was the only movie he had directed, except for he had one other director role, and that was for a Star Wars Clone Wars episode in 2011 called The General, which I had to look up that episode, um, but it's actually one of my favorite Clone Wars episodes that didn't have the Jedi in it, kind of. But it, it basically was more about the clones dealing with this Jedi general that was basically trying to kill them by basically putting them on suicide missions in a way, and the, um, the clone Rex having to deal with having to follow orders and because you must follow orders in general, but also knowing that those orders are wrong. So that's why it was one of my favorite. I mean, I think this was just one episode of three that was like a really good arc, 
within the story that just makes the Clone Wars show just so utterly awesome. But Makes sense. He also has a tangential connection to George Lucas because apparently he also did sound for THX 1138 and American Graffiti, among other really famous movies. So yeah, this guy knows what he's doing when it comes to sound and uh, ambience. Uh, directing? I don't know. What do you think about his directing job on this one? Um, I don't know. It's really <laughs> hard for me to judge 80s children movies. And their direction because were they really supposed to be directed very well? They were just popping them out left and right. <laughs> now I'm wondering if this was supposed to be a horror movie because I mean, right off the bat you have. It, um... It's crazy. Which to me, like I feel like Oz in general is a horror story. Like to me, I used to joke all the time. I think on Cakes Watch more that it should be Faye that are evil. Like, Oz is very much their fae. Like, they're that concept of they trick you and don't ever bargain with them and they only speak in riddles and just also, like, don't touch the stand because it'll kill you. Like, that's definitely, like, elements of, like, fae and, like, lore-style fae and fairy and stuff. And so it's a really dark concept. So I actually liked how dark this movie was. I'm like, yes, no, this makes sense for Oz for it to be dark. Like, Well, yeah, when you get to the fantasy part and things are dark, that's one thing. But we start the movie with Auntie M thinking that Dorothy's gone crazy and takes yes. her to an insane asylum to get electroshock therapy. Which, at the time, was very, very, very horrible. They still do electroshock therapy now. It's called something else. I can't quite remember what it's called. It's like electroconvulsive therapy. Yes, there you go, electroconvulsive therapy. Um, and it actually does work for a few um, things. I think one of the biggest things it actually works for is severe depression. So, But it had really, really bad origins. Yeah, no, it's just kind of, it was like one of those things where they're like, hey, this is a new technology, let's just see what we can do with it. And Which is, which is honestly how science kind of works, but like, yeah. now we're just a bit more ethical about it. <laughs> I mean, the way it's presented, it was like the electrical equivalent of snake oil. I mean, they were like, yeah, this this new technology that we have now, all kinds of things are... <laughs> I mean, cocaine is kind of the same way, same thing, morphine, um... Heroin actually first came out as a way to for people to get over morphine addiction because they just literally thought, well, maybe if we make morphine more pure, then they'll get over their morphine addiction. And it ended up being. I mean, right? I I feel like it. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe this will work. And let's not even begin about lobotomy. I mean, clearly it works because you know her brain's not working anymore. But. I'm going back to my psychology days in college, just learning the history of it, and it's like, oh, so many bad things. So, what was a what was a, a treatment for hysteria that they might have had back in the late 1800s? Late 1800s? Ooh. Um, honestly, hysteria probably probably would just be going into an insane asylum because I think hysteria <laughs> was also more of a just for women thing. I don't yeah. think men typically got hysteria. Well, later on in the 90s, hysteria would have definitely been lobot- lobotomy. Oh, that, wow. Which I, I try to remember when the first lobotomy was. 
probably. But yeah, I want to say it was also wild. They were like, just, just, just cut off a bit of our brain. Like it's, it's fine. Or there, it did happen to men too. I wonder if it happened. We should not delve deep into unethical <laughs> studies. Um, so yeah, we can show Dorothy goes and gets left in some city to get electroshock therapy because she's not sleeping well and she's actively talking about Oz. To which I was always just like, Dorothy, just shut up, just <laughs> stop talking about it and pretend your eyes are closed when your aunt comes checks on you, <laughs> like. Come on, Dorothy. Think about it. You were smart enough to, like, get back home to beat the Wicked Witch of the West. You're not smart enough to, like, lie to your aunt. But okay. Uh, and we get introduced to this nurse, which I can't remember quite what her name was, but she's evil just because she's, of the outfit she's wearing. <laughs> yeah, Nurse Wilson. I mean, she already looks like she's straight out of Oz with this large black like massively like shoulder padded outfit yes and that nice tight corset it was, it was actually a really cool looking outfit but just, not what you want to see a nurse wearing though no not what she wants to see a nurse wearing and when dorothy goes to get shocked um there's an electrical storm and the light cuts out oh we skipped before that before dorothy goes to her appointment she's feeding the chickens or something or looking for eggs and one of the chickens finds a key, which had a circle and a line through it. And Dorothy went, it's an Oz key, because I wouldn't have figured that out. I would have been like, it's well, just a key with a line through it. And she saw a shooting star the night before. And like she assumes, oh, somebody must have sent it to me from Oz. Naturally. And she goes and talks to Auntie Anne, And Auntie Anne's, yep, we're going to go shock you, I guess. We're going to shock the crazy out of you. Yes. Because now in this version, it's not like Wizard of Oz in the movie where they basically imply that Dorothy's whole trip to Oz was just a dream. And she does that moment where she's like, and you were there, and you were there, and you were there. No, in, in the actual book, Oz is an actual place. It's not a dream that Dorothy is in. It's a real place. And they kind of sort of, I feel like I saw in the trivia for this one was they cut out the scene in which they show a newspaper clipping that Dorothy was actually missing for days after the tornado and then she was found. So. Yeah, they play with uh, the timeline here because we have something kind of sort of similar with how, what happens to her in this one. Uh -huh. um, but uh, yeah, so as she's about to get electroshocked, um, another, I guess, patient at the facility, this yeah. insane asylum kind of situation. Um basically says we got to get you out of here and they both plan a little like daring escape and as they're so well <laughs> <laughs> i mean it was pretty smart they're like they knew how to hit and um yeah so like all the power went out and electricity is still like a relatively new thing so they're all kind of just like scrambling around in the dark they manage to get out but the nurse sees them and starts chasing them and all the way into, I guess, like, all of a sudden, there was a huge wash that formed, or maybe it was a river. I can't yeah. tell. Yeah, well, it was a thunderstorm, so it was raining pretty hard. So I assume it was actually a river that was flooding, was what mm. I went through. Like, it was one of yeah. normally just a trickle, and then during rains, it's a crazy flood. Dorothy finds herself 
getting into a crate, and the girl that had saved her is gone. Yep, just up Yay. and disappears. Yep. And, and then, yeah, Dorothy pops up in a pond, and her chicken. Yep. Yeah, her chicken, chicken just appeared out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> thinking, how did the chicken get there? That chopped me nuts. I was like, where did the chicken come from? Was the crate supposed to be like the crate that her? Because no, her auntie didn't have like a crate with her where she was going to go sell the chicken. Did no, she? I, I think the logic behind it, I think, is that as she was being washed away, she um, passed by the farm, and yeah. that, like at this point we were no longer dealing with reality. So like in in this weird magical way that this thing happened, she oh, got washed through, yeah, and the chicken somehow ended up with her, who yeah. was um, uh, what was her name, Mrs. Something, Billy. Billing? Belina. Belina? Belina. Yeah. Chicken's yes. name was Belina. And she could talk in Oz. So that's yes. why I was like, why is there a chicken there? And then it took me a second to even realize that it was her chicken that had found the key. I'm like, oh, and her name was Belina. And they appear in a pond, now in Oz, in the desert area, in which if you touch the sand, you will become sand. Which I was already like, okay, this is we're going to be this version of Oz. <laughs> yep. God. Apparently this, this is closer to the books than the actual movie was. The movie took a lot of liberties and made it much more kitty. Um, but yeah. yeah, the actual version is supposed to be kind of like all the characters are really like messed up psychologically. Yeah. I, I kind of I actually am curious to read the book series now because I'm like, this is, Kind of, you know, it's almost like folkloric. I like it. I dig it. But she hops her way on some rocks to the green grassy area of Oz, and those rocks have a face in it. Surprise. Yeah, and the face changes, and it lets you know that it's actually like a living creature, basically. And apparently they're very angry that they brought a chicken, or that there's a chicken there. Yes. He goes to report to this mountain guy, the gnome king, we find out later on, basically that there's a chicken with her. Dorothy's back, and there's a chicken, and I guess the gnome king is afraid of chickens. And I'm just like, why is he afraid of chickens? You find out at the end, don't worry, we'll get back. Yeah. (laughs) And then Dorothy finds her way to her old house. Is still that there. was a nice and, touch, yeah. Yeah, she's talking to Belina what happens, and Belina is basically like, we need to get out of here. Like, I'm just chicken. This is not okay. And also, the yellow brick road is broken and all crumbled, and Dorothy runs down it. I swore she was in a trip as she was running in those tiny little heeled shoes. <laughs> yeah, but she was. Yeah. Okay. This was ahead. a part. This was a part that, like, trying to go back and remember what had happened. Um, somehow in my brain as a kid, I thought that they had explained that in the time that she was gone, it was, like, years and years in, like, Oz time. Like, kind of like how it works in Narnia. Yeah. Um, 
where like time is different in both places. So yeah, like I I thought that that was interesting that when she came back, the house was there, but like there were no more munchkins anywhere. The road was all destroyed, um, the yellow brick road, and then yeah, like they get closer and closer to Oz um, or to the Emerald City. And that place is like all destroyed and overrun, and it looks like it's just super dilapidated. And but it doesn't sound like it. it basically, like sounds like time. she's only been gone. Yeah, like that. Like those few months like, that she had been back, basically. It was six months, according to Anton. Six so months. Been like this for six months, not sleeping. So, and that kind of sort of makes sense. Like from what I got from the young adult books I read, is that one that which I hope I'm getting this right. I read it a long time ago, but from what I understood from those books, the Yellow Brick Road kind of is its own magical being that can shift and change. So if a Gnome King took over the magic with their ruby slippers, then that means the Yellow Brick Road would be destroyed. And then also just Oz is ever-changing and changes fairly quickly as well because of how the Yellow Brick Road puts everything together. So it kind of made sense to me. It's like, okay. I can see it. I guess. <laughs> just, just accept it, I suppose. Yeah, it's it's, it's a thing. Um, but yeah, she goes to the Emerald City, which is in ruins. Everybody is statues, and there are wheelers, which are the things that nightmares are made of. Those guys were cool. I really like those guys. They were cool, but they at first they were really creepy. Like that first initial, I was like, "What is that?" Like it was just so disturbing. Because they're just they're just humans with wheels for limbs, basically. Yeah, I'd, and they, they I'd like to think fours. that they were cursed. Yeah. Yeah, it's just I was like, like, what is this? And she runs away from them with Lena, and then she ends up in a spot where she can use her key to get into a room, and in that room it's TikTok. Yep. Who's been waiting for her since uh, ever since the the takeover happened apparently yes so and tiktok basically explains that the gnome king took over oz and he turned everybody into stone and tiktok didn't get turned into stone because he's not technically a living thing that's what it is every living thing got turned into stone <laughs> um and scarecrow didn't and then also tiktok didn't because tiktok's not technically a living thing and tiktok comes with three winders one was the thinking winder or thought winder or something like that. Then the speech one or language and then the action one. So they had to wind all three in order to talk to him and get him to actually think <laughs> and be logical. And then also, and you had to constantly wind them up, which I thought was like cool, but definitely a plot device. Cause of course he's going to run out of his wind at the most inopportune moment. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was kind of genius that they said, like, they should have designed you so you could wind yourself. I thought that line was a bit more genius than just... (laughs) Because that was definitely alluding to, like, other things, like... (laughs) Which my brain on this Friday night that we're recording this is not quite there to explain what it made me think. (laughs) But Um, it's just... that's, That's definitely, like an allegory for being like i don't know lower working class or something like where you just can't fix yourself like no if he could like wind himself then he could take over the world and like stuff like that 
Or maybe he would be too preoccupied with winding himself that he wouldn't actually do anything else. But yeah, maybe. think about that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I definitely think it was more of a, like, you don't want technology to have too much power. You don't want a non-living thing to have too much power either. Oh, yeah, and he liked to remind you... Yeah. He liked to remind you all the time that he was a non-living thing. Yeah, but Dorothy got really attached to him, so he was alive in her heart. And he was alive to me. TikTok was probably one of my favorite characters. Yeah, and I mean, I kind of almost thought, because at some point we run across that potion of living powder or something like that, or like not powder of living, Yeah. With, that they used to animate that moose head and to turn it into like a flying couch thing yeah. i thought they were going to use that on on kind of like how they in the original like dorothy was like oh i had the power to go home this whole time i thought when they had that living powder that they were going to put it on him on tiktok and be like oh we could have made you alive this whole time but he kept saying yeah. he didn't want to be alive so he'd probably be mad about it no i see i thought they were just gonna put the living power on the statues of the people <laughs> like, Boom, or that too like That's spread it all over town. But maybe they were yeah. just like statues. They're just gonna statues. I don't know. We'll never know. That's not what they did. Instead, they yeah. made an awful couch thing. But we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> TikTok goes and he defeats all the wheelers by basically swinging his arms in a giant circle and hitting them with a pail. A lunch pail. Yeah that hung from a tree. I forgot about that part. It would look like an apple tree, but they were lunch pails, and in the pails were actual lunches. Like a yep. ham and cheese sandwich. I mean, that that was pretty cool. I kind of wish that was a real thing. Yeah. Um, and then the wheelers are basically like, you need to talk to Mombi, which is where I knew. I was like, no, isn't Mombi another wicked witch? <laughs> but... And apparently Mombi is also considered the princess that can change her heads. That was a cool gimmick, by the way. I really enjoyed that little trick that she can do. Yes. I I did enjoy that trick that she could do. I liked her call of heads and how they all kind of reacted. I also really liked the whole idea that she doesn't remember things. Like, she only remembers what the head remembers. So if she mm. switches heads, she won't remember what that thing is. <laughs> See, that Whatever. that's I pretty think. genius. Yeah. Um, the, of course, though, the head that she chooses for most of the movie is the same head as the nurse that you saw. <laughs> yep, got to tie it back into, into the reality. Now, I'm going to take a quick side note here and mention that one of the things I remember the most about this movie... And maybe because I'm also a big fan of Conan the Barbarian and Conan the Destroyer. Yeah. I think it was in the second movie, Conan the Destroyer. There's a sequence where they go to like that wizard's castle and he has a hall of mirrors. Ooh. And that was a cool fight sequence where he's fighting against himself, basically, or against these monsters that go in and out of the mirrors. And it was just shot really cool. Kind of similar to that mirror scene in Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee. Just mirrors are cool for some reason in cinema, you know? And this this palace had so many mirrored surfaces. Even the floor looked like it was mirrored. It was so cool. 
And I just, I, that's one of the things that sticks out to me the most. It was like, man, that mirrored palace was just so creepy and so awesome. And I liked how everything looked in that whole entire sequence. We don't go to very many locations, I came to realize in this version of rewatching it. And, but we spent a lot of time here, and I think, you know, it was because it was a cool, cool-looking place. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. Um, the whole palace was really cool. The amount of mirrors was cool. I always find, like, how they film with that many mirrors in the room. Like, I feel like it has to be a pain. Like, I'm really curious how you film in an actual, like, room mirrors. Actually, one of my favorite mirror scenes in a film that you didn't mention is probably in Ella Enchanted. I don't know if you've seen that one, but there's a scene that she has where she's basically in an area, like, surrounded by mirrors and, like, a really awesome That's the Drew Barrymore Sleeping Beauty one? Or Cinderella one? No, Enchanted? it's um, Anne Hathaway is the Cinderella-ish character, but Ella Enchanted actually is also a book based off of the Cinderella tale. But this one is in which the Cinderella character gets kind of sort of cursed by her fairy godmother when she was born to always obey. Oh, so, gotcha. Yeah, anytime anybody tells her, like, you should shut up, she has to shut up, and you should do this, and basically oh. the mirror scene is where the uncle of the prince tells her that she needs to kill him in this particular room and she goes to do it but she manages to not but because of the mirrors the prince sees her <laughs> so <laughs> it's great but it's just a really cool just a really cool room like mirrors and there's also not to mention the amount of like magical elements to mirrors in general and how there are pathways to the dark world and all that stuff and demons possess you and you should never stand in between two mirrors because that opens a gateway into your brain and lets demons sleep in and stuff like that. It looks looks like you're playing Portal. Yeah. It looks like you're playing Portal. (laughs) Yeah. And that also all goes to the fact that, you know, as mirrors got clearer, they got creepier to us as humans, so we added a bunch of more to them and that's why if you break a mirror seven years of bad luck because A, they're expensive be demon living inside of it. It's your other self. It's your darker self. It's your mm. wars. Very fun. Um, so, Mommy decides she's going to lock up Dorothy because she wants her face when Dorothy grows up. And Dorothy finds Jack, naturally, who is a jack o' lantern, pumpkin, scarecrow person. Yeah, he's I like guess. an animated pumpkin man. Yeah. Pumpkin head. Yep. Um, which now explains why there is that scene where she's in the asylum. <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't an insane asylum, but where she's at the doctor's and she's combing a jack-o'-lantern. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, why is she combing a jack-o'-lantern? Oh, it's because it's going to be Jack later on. Okay. And Jack basically explains that he had a mother... But mother's gone, and he wants Dorothy to be his mother now. He calls her mom. Yeah, he's real mama's boy. Yeah, it's cute. And he's just made of sticks. He's very much like (laughs) a scarecrow. Um, Just no hay. (laughs) And she learns from Jack about this life powder thing, and she decides she's going to go steal it. 
while TikTok, Jack, and Bellini try to figure out how to make a vessel to leave the castle in. Which, yeah. Yeah. Which is some... From, like, a childlike perspective, I'm like, oh, how whimsical that they've thought of, like, putting these random things together and that made, like, a flying thing. But yeah. the adult in me is like, that's stupid. That would, that would never... <laughs> yeah. Those leaves, those leaves would never be able to lift that couch. <laughs> yeah, like, such <laughs> flimsy cool. rope tying. It, yeah. yeah, like, the the logical part of me really killed it. And I, that, I think... It was one of the first moments I was self-aware enough to be like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely an adult now because I don't find <laughs> these kinds of things, like, funny or cute anymore. Now I just think about, like, how impractical it would be. Yeah, see, and that's where I just went, well, magic is magic, I guess. Who am I to say that that wouldn't fly logically? Because, I mean, I still, to this day, don't quite understand how planes can fly. But, I mean, I do understand. I do understand how planes can fly. I'm so <laughs> amazed that they can fly. Like, like big iron ships what how oh i get it buoyancy but like at the same time if it's heavy <laughs> but um yeah so because it's, it's all gets, the simulation man none yeah. of this is real she get she gets the living powder it's naturally in the box with mombi's head one of mombi's head and course mombi's head wakes up and all the other heads wake up and they freak out and then mombi's headless body wakes up and chases after dorothy but which is also a cool sequence by the way that the chamber of all the heads was like yes. such a nice touch yes i'd like to know all the puppetry and stuff was really cool in this movie some of them were creepy but they were really cool in fact i actually really liked the effect of the rock face. Like, I thought that looked really cool, how it moved and stuff. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure it was um, motion capture, right? It's not motion capture, I feel like. But it was cool. Um, well, kind of. Um, it was a little more primitive than that, but from what I read in the trivia information for this is that they took the, the head wheeler, um, was the, the main one that they modeled for the different rock faces, um, oh. except for King Gnome. Oh. And so w what they would do is they would film him doing the, the dialogue, and then they had a stop-motion animator basically frame-by-frame frame copy in the rock what his face was doing. That's pretty so, cool. So it's kind of like a much more involved version of rotoscoping, where you're like mm. putting... You're, you're transferring the performance into, you know, that physical medium. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's the result is that it came out pretty, pretty cool looking like that. Because up until then, like, I hadn't really seen stop motion that was that expressive. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that was really cool. I think that's also where I was like, no, oh, this is a Disney movie. I was looking at all the effects of it. I'm like, yeah, no, that makes sense that this would be an 80s Disney movie. They always go over the top with their effects. I will say, the stop, oh, not the stop motion, um, the animatronics for Belina were really good. Oh, yeah. Because there were some times, yeah, there Disney, were a few times I thought that was a real chicken. <laughs> yeah, Disney is known for their animatronics, too. So, I mean, they're still top in the field. 
with animatronics. They have a few of the stuff they've been making lately is so lifelike that you don't even think it's not a real. I've seen a few in person and I'm just like, how is that not an actual thing? And I'm really excited to see the Spider-Man one that they have that actually like does a flip in the air. Yeah, that's the one I'm blown away by when I see the, the test footage of that. I'm like, oh, yeah. geez, that's crazy. It's gonna, it's gonna look nuts, and it's gonna terrify me, and it's definitely gonna terrify me. So, um, you need to get front row seats to that one. Yeah, but like even their original one, I've seen like great moments with Lincoln, and that's like one of the first animatronics they made. Even that one, seeing that stand up, is just like that's Lincoln. Like that's that's cool. It's just the coolest thing ever. Um. Anyway, animatronics, Disney. They're they're really. But, um, yeah, that chicken. So they they get out with on the moose head couch leaf thing, which I think they gave it a name, and I cannot remember the name that they gave it. Um, yeah, what was it? They called it a gump, but was that supposed to be the kind of animal it was? I have no idea. It was like a moose with its antlers kind of sort of shaved off. I think it and, was gump. Yeah. Yeah, and it was kind of greenish for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I guess I figured that it's Oz moose, so it's got to be green. I don't know. But um, <laughs> I felt like he was, like, I think I kept calling him Eeyore or something because he reminded me of Eeyore. And the fact yeah. that I, I don't know how to fly. Oh, well, guess I could fly. I <laughs> just like that. Um, so they're flying. They figured out that the Gnome King lives in the mountain, and they want to go talk to him to find the Scarecrow. Or do they think the Scarecrow is there? The Scarecrow. Anyway, they go to the mountain. They have to fly over the desert. A couple of the wheelers chase after them and then turn into sand when they touch the desert sand. And then those wheelers go back to Mombi. And Mombi's like, I gotta get my way to the mountain now. Like, the Gnome King doesn't know there's a chicken with Dorothy. Whatever. She races their, I assume, underground pathway that goes below that sand. And naturally, as they're over it, um, their bindings start to fall apart, and Jack tries to save the day, Jack loses his head, <laughs> the whole thing falls off, and they all land safely on the mountain, somehow. Dorothy literally lands on part of the couch, and Belina... That, that yeah. cut, by the way, when Dorothy, like, she looks like she fell like a solid 20 feet onto that couch... She I did. was like, what? Like, that was yeah. really good, like, yeah. edit for that. <laughs> like, it looked like it hurt. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, ooh, like, she's alive, but, like, ouch, your tailbone is going to hurt for a bit. Um, Belina, I think I must have missed how Belina ended up in Jack's head. Well, that was the point that it happened. It was during that sequence, but, yeah, the, at okay. that point... Um, I don't know if we discussed it earlier, but at the very beginning when Dorothy and Belina show up to Oz again, um, you hear the, one of the rock creatures reporting to King Gnome, and he says, like, she brought a chicken. Yeah. And he just screams, like, chicken. Chicken. Apparently. Like, chickens are pretty brutal. I hear apparently, you. Apparently, yeah, <laughs> like, uh, they'll definitely gouge your eyes out, but it's still, you know, like, okay, what's his deal with chickens? Um, yeah. And yeah, so that turns out that's going to factor in yeah. very like <laughs> importantly um in just a little bit yes so 
Dorothy is talking to the rock, and the rock face basically tell her tells her like no you can't have I don't know they basically like have words and Dorothy is basically like well if it's a war you want it's war you get and then proceeds to fall down a hole <laughs> and she lands and actually gets to talk to the gnome king which at this moment the gnome king basically looks like like the rock face but a bit more pronounced at this point I would say. Yeah. And the gnome queen king says, oh, she first, first she fell into Scarecrow's arms, and then Scarecrow disappears, and then she's in the lair with the gnome king. And she's crying or whatever, or the gnome king is like, I turned the Scarecrow into an ornament, basically. And she starts crying, naturally, and the gnome king's like, oh, they're there, with his crazy rock hand patting her on the head. He's like, how can I make this better, basically? And she basically all she wanted was a chance to get the scarecrow back. And he's like, okay, I'll make a deal with you. I'll make a bargain with you. Basically. Which is just where I'm going, like, don't ever make bargain with fairy. Like, that is a no, no. But she does, and the bargain is she'll let all of her friends go into his little knickknack room, and they get three chances to guess which knickknack is Scarecrow. And if they fail, then they face consequences, but they, of course, don't ask what those consequences are, naturally. And But they all agree that, yes, we will go ahead and partake in this. We will do our three guesses, whatever. And... Gump is the first one that goes to make his guess. The Moosehead couch gets to go make a guess. He's a living thing now, I guess. And while Gump is going, I've really enjoyed the scene of them eating limestone scones and <laughs> drinking molten silver. <laughs> like, How does it taste? Oh, it tastes, it tastes pretty good. And Melton's like, yeah, it's limestone. And I'm like, oh, no, that's going to suggest. Okay, Dorothy. Um, Gump fails and the mountain rumbles and Dorothy's like well what happened and he was like well now he's an ornament too because he failed he now becomes an ornament so Dorothy's realizing oh what's she's like oh I didn't know that was going to be the consequences and the guy was like well you didn't ask are you going to continue or not and they all choose to continue once again now that they know their lives are on the line. Um, one thing I noted and I liked is that as they failed, the Gnome King got more human. And I yeah. liked this aspect because it didn't, it wasn't super duper obvious. Like, I think it wasn't, I don't know, nowadays I think movies treat kids like really dumb. Disney doesn't take a look at do it, but there's like other movies that I think they like really tell as opposed to showing what's going on. Resist just was like he, he got more living, lifelike as they failed. So clearly he was gaining power from them turning into ornaments in some way. He didn't explain how and explain why but that's what was what was happening. And he kind of sort of looked like by the end he looked like a stone version of um, the ghost of Christmas present was what he reminded me of. 
Yeah, he, he definitely looked like that. Yeah, and that was, and he was being played by the the electroshock doctor too. It was the same actor that was doing that role. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot that. I should have known and looked more for, for real people <laughs> that were in there. Um, so TikTok is the second to last to go. As he's going, the gnome king tells Dorothy something's wrong. TikTok just stopped, and she's like, "I only wound his thought." thing i didn't wind his action so he must have run out of action and the gnome king's like look i like you girl so i'll let you go in he only has one guess left i'll let you go in pull his action and then you can do your guesses so and once she gets there tiktok's like yeah my action didn't actually run out he's like i was just going to make a guess hoping that my guess will give you a clue if I fail. He's like, either I win it or I fail, and hopefully that gives you a clue. And that was pretty um, smart. I was like, you yeah. know, I like how they think. That was actually yeah. clever. TikTok is very, very, very smart. As long yeah. as you pull his thinking thing. <laughs> Winder. Um, so they do that. TikTok fails, but it's kind of sort of obvious that Dorothy did not quite figure out what he turned into. Um... I don't think what he turned into ended up being on the table that he had guessed. No, at. you never see it, yeah. Until yeah. They later. Which, yeah, I absolutely loved this ornament room, though. It was like walking into, like, an antiques. Like, a really nice antique store that actually have all the antiques, like, spread out. You're like, wow, like, that looks so neat. Like, are all these replica? Are some of these, like, real knickknacks from people's collections that were on the movie? That was a cool room. I wondered that too. I was like, where did they get all this stuff? Like, where is it actually from? Yeah, although, honestly, I've, I've done, like, Disney's backlog tours back when they had them, and it's just, like, a collection of props. Like, they... Now, they are pretty good at collecting their props. In the olden days, they were not good at collecting their props, which is why you have shows on Disney Parks, like, what is it called? Prop Culture? Oh, yeah. Like that. I love that, that show. That guy finds old Disney props. Oh, yes, that's a great show, but... It's, I was like, maybe they did just take these from props from the other movies or just borrowed them from other movies and other lots and stuff. But it was it was a really cool room. Um, Dorothy does two guesses. She loses. During that time, Mom B gets to the Gnome King and tries to warn him. And which he basically, like, makes her bow really deep. That's the evil jerk thing. And then he gets why he gets mad at her, but he gets mad at her and locks her in a cage. Um, he gets mad at her because Dorothy starts to figure it out. Oh, yeah, and so he's like, uh... Oh, because she, she um, berates him for Dorothy figuring it out. She's like, why would you even give her a chance? Like, kind of thing. And yet Dorothy decides she's not going to figure it out by just picking one, so naturally she closes her eyes, spins around, and she at first grabs a bird, and then she sees an emerald right next to the bird, and she touches the emerald, and she says, Oz, and of course that emerald ended up being Scarecrow. And Which, really weird, goofy version of Scarecrow, because he didn't have a movable face. No. It was just like a mask, and it made it yeah. look kind of like a horror movie character, like he would be coming after you he with a knife. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's kind of hard to do a Scarecrow character in a movie because, A, they couldn't do the Wizard of Oz one because they would have to pay even more since they already had the Ruby Slippers and something else um, that they had to pay rights for. And then also, like, 
the, the villain, the Batman villain scarecrow too. You can't have it look too much like that. Wasn't there another scarecrow going around at the time? Another horror scarecrow? Back in, I can't at, at that time, I don't remember. I don't think so. Yeah, but I feel like it'd be hard to make a scarecrow that didn't look like a scarecrow that already existed. <laughs> so they just made this thing, and it looked horrifying. Yeah, it was like a killer clown from outer space looking like scarecrow. Yeah. Um, she, so the Gnome King gets really upset. And, oh, also... One thing you find out, too, that I totally skipped is the Gnome Keem currently has the Ruby Slippers, because when Dorothy was going back to Kansas, they fell off her feet. And so the Gnome Keem's like, this is all your fault. Ha, ha, ha. And Dorothy's like, <laughs> Apparently those slippers were powerful enough to help him basically, like, subjugate the whole Emerald Kingdom and take away all yeah. the jewels that he claimed also we skipped over that part but he felt really um, indignant that all of those emeralds technically belonged to him because they were taken because from his mountain them. yeah yes yeah. so um i would like to know i do believe it is true that the, um the books are about communism so and the evils of capitalism you know, I wasn't going to bring it up because I know that I'm all burnt out on my conspiracy stuff. But yes, there's a really great documentary called um, The the Road to Oz or something like that. And it talks about how the first book, at least, is all about not so much uh, anti-capitalism, but anti-federal reserve, anti-fiat currency. Um, and I love all the comparisons because it's kind of one of those things where it's like... Yeah, that all fits if you really kind of just like squint and tilt your head. Yeah. Um, or it could just be like a kid's story. But yeah, I love how all the different things fit. And the, the primary thing is that in the books, Dorothy has silver slippers, not ruby. Yes. Ruby was just added to the 1939 um, the musical version because it just looked better on film because they were doing the whole Technicolor thing Technicolor. back then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, great. But yeah, in the original books, they were silver. And so the story goes that um, the whole story of the Wizard of Oz is that Oz is like the president of the United States, someone that says they're all powerful, but really don't have a whole lot of power. It's all just an illusion. Uh, the Emerald City is like the Federal Reserve, like fiat currency that's not backed by anything. Um, and so the Yellow Brick Road was originally the Golden Brick Road. And the, the Silver Slippers were supposed to be your way of basically getting back financial independence of, from, with real currency as opposed to the fiat promissory notes that are issued by the a central bank and the government. That's what it was. The Emerald City is a, is a central bank. Um, okay. So, yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff in there that supposedly L. Frank Baum tried to put in there. Oh, and the, the Tinsman, the Scarecrow, and the Cowardly Lion were all representative of different factions of the American um Population. The scarecrow represented the farm workers. The Tin Man represented the industrialists, and the Cowardly Lion was, I think, whomever was the president at the time, Taft maybe. I can't remember. Who eventually put through the, because uh, they were calling him a coward for instituting the the ban on gold, um, and the seizure of the gold from the population that during the time. Oh, 
so yeah that's an elizabeth question yeah (laughs) but there's yeah there's some cool stuff in there and that that i I like diving into those kinds of conspiracies a lot more because they're just kind of fun you know it's like there's some interesting things in there some parallels you could say i do like how like right now like people our age are kind of sort of like cash isn't real it's like just keeping on the credit card like the reason I mean, they they already <laughs> got all your information. Real. If you have a cell phone, yeah. if you have a Facebook, it's all already. They are, they got you. I mean, they got you. Money's yeah. not real. Just leave yeah. it all on the card. Nobody cares. Who needs her? Yeah. Cash. Not real. I mean, it was like, but like we're like I'm not gonna carry so much money on me anymore. I've got the credit card. Yeah. There's a well. This is kind of way now getting outside the topic, but oh, okay. <laughs> um, I used I used to work with a person when I used to work at YPG uh, who was a Mormon, and some people who are a certain level of religious will also be kind of, I guess prepper would be the right word for it. Okay. You know, like ready for you know, when, when ready for revelations for the ready, yeah. ready, ready for the, whatever it is that happens that crashes our current system. Um, so he gave me a little pamphlet one time of like the ten things you can do to start getting ready for when it happens. It being like you know in capital letters, and um, I remember one of them, which I thought was kind of like, hey, that could actually be practical, is to keep like um, ten rolls of silver dimes. Because once the economy crashes and money isn't real anymore, then uh-huh. like only precious metals are going to hold value. So you can have like actual c- currency, but that's still made of silver, and that that's going to be like a good stopgap between like but the. There was even enough silver anymore in dimes for that to work, though. I mean, it had to be like the older ones, like the the ones that they stopped making sometime oh. in the seventies, maybe I yeah. forget when it was. Yeah, so. Uh, the idea, I mean, you still can buy rolls of those kinds of coins. Um, Keep those copper pipes, though. Copper pipes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, any any precious metal you can get your hand on. I mean, like, go steal some catalytic converters. Just kidding. Don't do that. That's illegal. Um, but uh, just, yeah, any kind of metal that has actual use. Because that's the funny thing about money. Like, money is only supposed to be... We are going way off topic. Whoa. <laughs> This uh, damn. This this is what happens when I drink and I podcast. (laughs) I lose focus. Okay, let's go back to the movie. Let's let's go back to the movie. So (laughs) now that Dorothy has Scarecrow, she figures out that anything green is what is a member of Oz. So they're like, find all the green things, and of course, the first thing they find is gum. You turn into like a base or something. I don't know. That makes zero sense, but all right. And it was like some kind of a J thing, yeah. Yeah. They find Jack as well. And was that it? I can't remember who else her friends were at this moment. Oh, and yeah. Jack and Belina is still in Jack's head when yeah. he comes back. And as that's happening, the room is falling apart. And the Gnome King has turned into a massive mountain man again. I, yeah, like, all I could think of was the end of Aladdin when Jafar turns into a <laughs> Or swords or whatever he turns into, and it's like that lava room, and Jabbar's all huge. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, and he's basically gonna eat the things. He eats something. 
No, he he eats the well. He tries to eat gump, oh, and he, he rips off gump, the couch. It's just the sofa. Yeah. yeah, it's just the sofa. So he doesn't get gump's head, which is the moose head. And then he grabs Jack to eat him with little Molina in it. <laughs> and as like he's dangling Jack from his feet, so Jack's jack lantern head is like hanging in his mouth, and Bolina is like peeks out through one of his eye holes and is like, <laughs> oh my god, and chickens out and lays an egg. And that egg gloriously falls. Oh, well, we forgot to mention that because that would have made sense if, if we brought it up earlier. So when we're first introduced to Belina as just a regular chicken, Dorothy's all like, you haven't laid any eggs, Belina. If you don't lay an egg, Auntie M's going to stew you for dinner or something like that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Belina so, needs to scare, get the egg scared out of her. Okay. And as she lays the eggs, can you hear the chicken croaking? Or chicken, not croaking, clucking. Chicken on a frog. Um, Belina clucks, and he's like, a chicken? And the rock people are like, a chicken! And then the egg falls down. And then you find out that apparently to gnomes, eggs are poison. Yep, that's why they were so angry that a a chicken came to Oz in the beginning. Yes. Belina kills the gnome king by laying an egg. Right. A pretty, gets- pretty gruesome death, by the way. Like, even though he's made a rock, he like decomposes. Yes, very much like the ends of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. The guy drinks from the wrong cup. Yeah, it's like, like just, just shrivels away. Yeah. Um. And Dorothy gets her slippers, and she wishes that they all turn back to Oz. Um, you find out in the conversation between Mombi and the Gnome King that Ozma is trapped. Mombi is holding her trapped. And you learn that Ozma is basically the rightful heir to Oz. Yay. And then they get back to the Emerald City. Dorothy uses slippers to do that. Only she then realizes that she never saved TikTok. But thankfully, TikTok turned into his little badge, his little medal, and that came on Gump's antler by some miracle. And she brings TikTok back to life, and she hugs him because TikTok is a living being to her. Yeah. Yeah. And they, so all the people become not stone anymore. All the heads return to their original owners that Mombi had taken from a couple dancer women. Um, and they throw a huge party, and as they're throwing the party, they're like, Dorothy, you should be queen, you should be queen, and Dorothy's like, hey, hey, I'm ten, calm down. <laughs> and as that's happening, Ozma appears in the mirror behind Dorothy, and lo and behold, it is the girl that originally saved her from the insane asylum. Shock place, yeah. whatever it was. And she pulls Ozma out of the mirror world, because it's another thing mirrors can do, they can drop you at them. Be wary of mirrors. <laughs> and, and everybody's like, yay, Ozma can be your queen. And they're like, but Dorothy, you should say. And Dorothy's like, nah, I'm going to return back to Kansas. And I'm literally like, why? Why are you going to return back to Kansas? Yeah, just waiting for that electroshock. And she really, 
wanted that to happen apparently oh but belina was like nah man i'm a hero i'm gonna stay here like people are gonna yeah, worship like me belina was like no i can t- i feel like belina was like i can talk here like why would i <laughs> yeah like i'm more than just chicken here it's like reality like, sucks man yeah i know i was like don't be back to well that wasn't even depression era yet that was like 1899 was it? I don't know. It I mean, like there, it, it, it might have been a dust bowl. I mean, it was depressing for Auntie M and Uncle Henry because they're still recovering from the tornado that like destroyed their farmhouse. But yeah, the, I mean, everyone You're else right. looked like they were doing fine. Just saying, not so great of a time to be a woman. Just like, say, well, I mean, that's just about any time in history, you know. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, there are some that are better than others. Ish. Like it's getting there. It's, yeah. I don't know. But Dorothy chooses to go back. Ozma says, okay, you can go back, but we're going to keep in touch, right? And Dorothy's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Dorothy goes back. She appears by a creek. Her uncle finds her. Mad celebration. It's apparently that she has been gone for the same amount of time that she had been in Oz, for what I'm assuming. And... The house has been rebuilt, and she's in her room, in her own room, and she's actually sleeping now, and Auntie M's happy, and kind of sort of apologetic for trying to shock her, <laughs> and, oh, also you find out that the um, asylum was burned down, and the only one who didn't make it out was the doctor, so the Gnome King guy. Yeah, I mean, happy ending, right? <laughs> Yeah, happy ending. And Ozma checks in on Dorothy through Dorothy's mirror, and Dorothy's like, hey, Auntie M, come look. Because Dorothy did not learn her lesson that you should just not talk about Oz. Yeah. And like how Ozma was like, shut up, are you crazy? And so Ozma disappeared. Dorothy's like, oh, okay, got it. I'll keep it a secret. And. That's what you got. That's it. That's the end. Return to Oz. She just goes outside and starts playing with Toto. Which, by the way, we completely sidelined Toto because he was just there at the beginning, at the, at the very end, and that was it. Yeah. That didn't really factor much into this story. See, this is where I wanted to see like their version of the first book because I was like, did Toto talk then? Like, if Bellini talks, would Toto have talked in the book? I mean, based on the logic, he should have. You should have. Yeah, all living things can talk in Oz. So, yeah. I'm like, huh, that's neat. Um, why can't you make your first version, I guess? Um, yeah, this did not do great in box office because it was not a sequel to Wizard of Oz. So, I don't think anybody wanted it either. It also held the Guinness World Record for a sequel that came the farthest from the original, I think. Something like that. I'm wording that horribly wrong, but it came out a significant amount of years after Big of Oz. Yes. held that record until another Disney sequel, <laughs> which now, I think, currently owns it. I should see if that hasn't changed, but Bambi's sequel, which was called, what was it called? Bambi and the, what was it, Master of the Forest, or of the Forest, I can't remember, something like that, which is a sequel that I have watched because I have watched 
a lot of Disney movies, and that's a sequel in which Bambi is basically the story of Bambi growing up with his dad after his mom died, and how his, he his dad was still around, king of the forest. Yeah, yeah, don't you remember? You don't remember Bambi? So I don't like remember. Bambi's mom. Is yeah, like I remember his mom getting dad. shot, but. Yeah, and she well, she had a baby with the king of the forest. That's why his dad was never de- there because he was, you know, the the head deer. He oh king. yeah, it was called and Bambi and the Great Prince of the Forest. Yeah, Great Prince of the Forest. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. And he was always called Prince or whatever. And then when his mom dies, his dad comes into him in the snow. It's really pretty scene. It's like snow, and his dad comes up, and he's like, "Come with me, son." And Bambi goes off, and then next thing you see is Bambi is now a teenager after growing up with his dad, and Bambi is ready to, you know, become the next king. And gotcha. it's actually one of the sequels that, although it was not good, I actually remember quite enjoying watching. I thought <laughs> it was something that I needed of the story, was like how the king dealt with, I guess now I have to raise you. <laughs> like, kind of thing. And Bambi, like, coming of age, I guess. It's not quite as pretty as the original, but it's also... Oh, it was still worth the watch of Disney straight movies. But that one now holds the record (laughs) as being the longest period between... Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's Dorothy... So, Return to Oz. There we go. That's Return to Oz. 1985. Should this get redone? Should it stay where it is? Should anybody watch this? <laughs> you know what's funny? Because what? the last Wizard of Oz... Well, <laughs> I wouldn't even say it was the last one, too. But So, the last theatrical Wizard of Oz movie we got was Oz the Great and Powerful. Yes, um, I that movie was kind of a crapshoot because there were parts of it I liked, but as a whole, I really didn't like it. Um, I don't know. Maybe Sam Raimi wasn't the best director for it. Um, I actually liked the casting of Mila Kunis as um, whatever her name was, Nymphadora or something like that. The West Nymphadora, I guess, which I honestly love. Anything. <laughs> who? Yeah. Who yeah. eventually becomes the Wicked Witch of the West? Um, James Franco, probably not as much as Oz, but, I mean, whatever. Uh, and then before that, um, the last time I remember seeing something Oz-related was Tin Man. The sci-fi show? Yes. yes. Tin Man? Yeah. That was so awful. Yeah. I that was, I mean, I, like, I, 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 li- I liked all of the basic individual actors on their own but for some reason all of them coming together for this project I'm like what are you guys doing like I was just staring at this like in awe of how awful it was because I hated it so much um but I don't know I I feel like if you're not gonna do Oz right and honestly I don't feel like anybody has I think like Return to Oz has been the closest to getting the actual tone of the real books down to some degree where it's got some of that fantastical element but it's also dark as fuck um if you're not going to do that then you should at least try to follow the style set in the um 
the original. Well, I can't even say original because there were Wizard of Oz movies before that yeah. one. But the one that everybody knows with the red ruby slippers and the Technicolor and all that stuff. You know, you got to do one or the other because they're very, like, specific. And I feel like every other attempt to do something Wizard of Oz related. And, man, there's been a lot of straight-to-video Wizard of Oz movies. Because it's, like, I think it's in the public domain now. And it yeah. has been since the 80s. That's one of the reasons why Disney did it, apparently, was because um, it was no longer going to be owned by anyone. Um, so, yeah, they did that. And there's just so much out there, Wizard of Oz related, where it's just a retelling of the the musical version with, um, uh, what was the name of the actress of the original oh. or of the main one? Gosh, Judy Garland. There you go. Yes, Judy Garland. Judy Garland. Um, so many just try to copy what that one was, but that one wasn't actually Wizard of Oz. So it's a, it's a, it's an imitation of an ad- adaptation that wasn't exactly faithful. So no. I feel like it's one of those that's just, it's, it feels like it's too difficult in less capable hands to do it justice. So therefore, why do it at all? They should do the Snyder. <laughs> I would watch the hell out of a four-hour version of this movie. Fuck yes. I regret saying that already. Um, I want to hear. Uh, I want to. <laughs> I want to hear King Gnome say, "I will fucking kill you." Oh, <laughs> uh, that 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 brought me right back. I'm in now. Let's let's do the Snyder oh, cut for everything. Snyder cuts for all. God, okay. I regret. <laughs> I just said I shouldn't have to. I regret watching that movie too. You, you put it out there, so now it's materializing. Yeah, that's, that's true. Nah, I'll take the James gun. I, guess, I don't know. You know, it'll have good it's music. Yeah, it'll have good music. Um, Guillermo del Toro. Ah. Oh. Oh, fantastic. That would be amazing. I think that would work. Yeah. You need someone like him. Oh. He would, yes. He would have loved to, like, all the fucking clockwork shit with TikTok and all that stuff. He yeah. loves all that little. Well, I, I'm thinking more of his, um, lab, not, not lab, what's it called? Pan's Labyrinth? Pan's Labyrinth, yeah. That, like, that style. That's a dark fucking fairy tale, yeah. That's great. That's how it should be. There we go. That's the only way I would take these. Done. <laughs> Let's do it. Anymore, well, I'm I'm planning on <clears throat> I, I I do have it as in my five year plan. I'm winning the Powerball, so when I have enough okay. money from that, I'm gonna reach out to him and I'll produce his next movie, and hopefully we can just start a beautiful relationship. Okay, that sounds great. All right, throw me in on that relationship. I want to do some writing stuff. Hey, I mean, that's definitely. He's all about that. Um, so that's it. Anything else to add for Burning Blade or Burning Dimension? <laughs> <laughs> like wrap it up. Uh, no. You're in an hour. Go away. <laughs> that was. Uh, I mean, I think we covered all the bases. This was a crazy dark movie from my childhood that I liked watching just as much. The Wheelers were awesome. If anything redeems the movie, it's TikTok and the Wheelers just because they're so crazy. And I've actually seen cosplay of the Wheelers. They're just as crazy as you would imagine. 
That's cool. I'll have to look on Google for that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you can't do it for long because that's got to be killer on your like appendages. But yeah, it looks pretty awesome. Um, yeah, the wheelers look like they belong to like a 1980s like pop punk band like Oingo Boingo would probably be yes. like doing the music for a Wheelers themed like movie or something. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, this is one of those I was looking forward to. I feel like I still hold it in a high regard just because of how weird and like dark it is. And this just seems like something that didn't fit with everything else that came out around the same time. And yet also I could still name like off the top of my head, like five or six other crazy dark movies like this that were meant for kids. Cool. Yeah. They were, they were actually really cool. They creeped me out. They creeped me out. <laughs> That's why they creeped me out. So, mm. um, they were supposed to be creepy. I mean, they were. They nailed it. Um, so if anybody wants to talk to you about the evils of capitalism and Reserve. Yeah, where money isn't they, real, man. <laughs> where can they get at you? All right, you can at me uh, on Twitter. I am at Magic Bollocks. And uh, yeah, why don't you send me some cryptocurrency? Let's, uh, we'll talk about the, the virtues of Bitcoin. Um, if you also happen to have watched or watched Red Dorothy Must Die series, uh, let me know what you think about it and what you remember about it because I clearly don't remember that well either. Um, you can tweet me as at JM Bailey Breaks. Um, please, wherever you're listening this to, at this to, please rate, review, and subscribe. And also, if you would like to find this podcast and the other podcast that we are on, which would be Week's Watch, you can find that on geekalitemedia.com. You can also chat with Geekalit Media as at Geekalit Media on Twitter and Instagram, and we are facebook.com forward slash Geekalit Media. Don't forget, we also do have a Patreon in which you can get a lot, a lot of awesome exclusives and behind the scenes and I think a few bloopers or something. Um, <laughs> you can find all that fun bonus content with just, uh, you know, if you got some some dollars to spare on Patreon as Google Media. And money isn't real. Um, money isn't real. You might as well spend it. <laughs> and with that, always remember to... Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.